Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. <laughs> In 400 meters. In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. I'm delighted to welcome today's guest to the podcast. If you are a Canadian homeschooler, you have likely already benefited from the community that she has created, and you might not even know it. I'm talking about the Canadian homeschooler, Lisa Marie Fletcher. What can you add to that introduction, Lisa Marie? Tell us about your family and how you got into homeschooling. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. It's nice to be able to chat with friends. So, uh, well, let's see our family. We have five kids. They range in age from five to 16 right now. So we've got, you know, high school through preschool or the other way around, I suppose. And uh, when we first started homeschooling, my oldest was, you know, ready for JK level for school, but he wasn't ready for JK, you know, he wasn't ready at all. And we've discovered over the years that he's got a lot of social anxieties and things. And that was part of the reason that he wasn't ready for school. He wasn't quite ready. So I thought, you know, I'm in ECE, my sister-in-law is homeschool. I'll just give it a try for a year. And here we are with him in grade 11. So, you know, <laughs> it's a little longer than I'd originally thought, but it's been fantastic. So we, that's how we started our homeschool journey. And we've added a lot more kids along the way than just that first one. <laughs> And good for you for being in tune with your child and not just doing things because that's just what is done, but actually being in touch with your child and where your child was at. Yeah, he was not ready, even a little bit. So we tried, we tried, we signed him up for it because, you know, everyone pressures you into signing them up for school. So I went to the little kindergarten day with the teacher and I sat there going, oh, this isn't going to work. I just know it. And so I figured I brought home the little booklet they gave me with like the cutting exercises you do with your JKer and I did it at home with him and he had so much fun doing it with me. I'm like, I can do this at home. I can totally do this at home. <laughs> yes. And I think knowing other homeschoolers in the family gives a confidence to try it that maybe people who don't know people um, don't have. I will admit that I'm very blessed that I had two sister-in-laws that were both homeschooling because it definitely made me feel like, all right, well, they can do it. I can do it too, right? And I know that's kind of a privileged place to be when you're starting homeschool to have that support and encouragement and other people that are doing it alongside you. So I know that for the people who are the first in their family to choose to homeschool, that it can be absolutely scary, but I'm thankful that I had my sister-in-laws to at least start me on the right foot. They both quit by now, so I'm still sticking around. <laughs> well, and I had my mom, so that was nice too. 
she even gave me curriculum, which was great when she was finished with it. So, so, so Lisa Marie, you have as your mission to help Canadian homeschooling families connect with each other and also with resources that will help them on their learning journey from start to finish. What prompted this mission? So when I was starting with my first child homeschooling, and as I said, I had my two sister-in-laws that were doing it, and they were using a boxed American curriculum, which I dutifully bought because that's what they were using. So I tried it, and there was only a certain amount of uh, American flags I could handle my three-and-a-half-year-old coloring <laughs> after a certain point. And so I felt there must be something that's out there for Canadians. And so it got me on this journey of looking for Canadian resources. And I figured if I was looking for those resources, other homeschoolers in Canada were looking for the resources as well. And that's kind of where the original uh, starting point for the Canadian homeschooler was. And so I started putting it together on a little blog and I thought, okay, well there I'm helping people. So, and I'm looking for stuff for myself as well. And then as the years have gone on, I've started building more and more from that to try and provide a community instead of just the resources that people need. So that's where the whole journey began. Thank you. And I'm with you. So when I started homeschooling, because it was quite a while ago, you kind of had a choice between either raising your kids to be Mennonites with the curriculum or raising them to be American with the curriculum. Those were basically <laughs> the two choices that were available when I started. So I, I hear what you're saying yep. and, uh, and I'm trying to do something about it as well. Um, Tell us how exactly you've created this connection for Canadian homeschoolers. So you can talk about your website and also share about the many Facebook groups that you've organized. I know that sometimes I've been part of a group and I didn't even realize that you organized it until afterwards. So, <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, so as I said, I started with the website. So that was just where I wanted to be able to put the resources so people could find them and as any website owner knows it's a continuous work in progress so things change and grow and add all the time so that's where I that's where I put the main bulk of the content but then I wanted to have some pieces where I could have interaction with homeschoolers because we all know support and encouragement is such a vital part of the homeschooling experience that um, we needed something where people could talk to each other so I want at the time I was paired up with a lady in BC they were running and another website Website that was similar in concept and it eventually grew into homeschool Canada store the, the ladies behind that original one in BC and then we teamed up and we started the homeschool swap and chat Canada group on Facebook so it's a basically it's a place for people to buy and sell books but it's also a place for people to chat and ask questions and I also have my Facebook page which is probably where the bulk of my interactions with people happen on Facebook but we also, you know, there's tons of things that pop up. I have like the high school edition of the swap and chat, but that one's pretty quiet in comparison with the main one, which is like 10,000 people. So it's busy all the time. And then I do various pop-ups from different events because it's easier to kind of have a special space just for one activity. So I do that. And then I also have like a community where homeschoolers in Canada can join and we have smaller net groups. So right now we're doing like kids zoom classes and mom meetups and things so that we can encourage and support each other in more of a in-depth and personal way than even Facebook can offer. That's amazing. You must be pretty techie to be able to do all of those things. I'm just thankful that the technology is available for these kinds of things because I can't imagine trying to run all this and figure it out myself. <laughs> 
Yes. When in doubt, there's always a YouTube video that will help us to connect the things we need to connect online, thankfully. Um, So I'm going to embarrass you maybe a little, but I warned you that I would. Um, Because uh, this, (laughs) during COVID, instead of having more time, like many people had, to connect on the homeschooling front, um, I have another business that's my day job. And COVID uh, forced me to lay off my staff, although they were happy because they were getting the CERB and, and I had to do everything myself in my businesses. And I was working like over 60 hours a week. So there were no podcasts coming out. I was just trying to keep it together. And I got an email Mm -hmm. from you uh, just as soon as summer was over. Hey, Rowan, I feel like I haven't seen you around as much lately. And I wanted to pop into your email box to see how you are doing. I hope things are well, etc. I just wanted to share that with our listeners because I think it really reflects the kind of community that you've tried to create, that you have successfully created, that you notice that I wasn't there. I wasn't, you know, popping up in Facebook or with the podcast or on any of those platforms that I try to be on. And you noticed and you reached out to me to make sure I was okay. And, uh, and I really appreciate that. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that you've reached out to uh, from time to time. So I just wanted to thank you for that publicly and use that as an example of the kind of community that you have indeed created. It's so collaborative and so giving. Um, and so helpful. And so I just really want to affirm you in that. And so, okay, the embarrassing part is over. We'll we'll move on. I didn't do it for recognition. (laughs) I know. And I know you don't like it, but I really, I think anyone (laughs) listening who knows you will say, yeah, that's, that's who Lisa Marie is. And so I just wanted to (laughs) share that. Well, thank you. Thank you. So we'll have another episode um, in which we'll talk about the curriculum that you've created. But today I want to focus on the learning center that you offer on your website, which is the canadianhomeschooler.com, although I'm sure most of us know that. Can you tell us about the learning center? Yeah, so the learning center is kind of like my one-stop place to put all the stuff that I've created (laughs) because um, my website's great but everything's all over the place and it's fine if you're searching for something specific but if you are looking for a resource it might be best to go over to the learning center and the learning center there's a little tab on the website that you can go to um, or you can just go it's just shop.thecanadianhomeschooler.com and basically it's a place to share all the resources I've created so there's a library of free printables so I've got like 50 something printables that I've made over the years that I've just put all into there. Um, There's things like a book report and a planner for your story, like a story planner. I think we made a video game review worksheet, which kids like because then they have a reason to play video games. And then there's like family history, um, like a printable thing that you can do with your kids. Uh, I was trying to think of all the things, but you know, after a while it starts to blur together, but I've got some like 
there's Canadian history and Canadian geography resources as well as some of you know Canadian coins. I really want to make sure that I was helping with the Canadian piece that people are always looking for. So that's where there's a whole bunch of those printables. But then the other part of it is that there are things like checklists. I know not every homeschooler wants to follow the government guidelines, but some people find it a good place to start when they're planning their homeschool or they like to check to see what their kids at in comparison with the school system just to see where they're at. So I put together, um, particularly for Ontario, that's where I started, was a K to 8 checklist based on the government learning outcomes that they've put together so that people can see, because the ones available from the government are like done by subject. So you get, you can look it up and it's just math, right, for the entire K to 8 or whatever. So it became really crazy to be looking at like 10 different books to find specifics I just made by grade I just put it all together by grade and I've got another amazing homeschool mom her name is Elena and she's helping me because I've you know since I've done that so many years ago people keep going what about this province can you make them for this province and what about this province can you help me with this and I'm like I don't have time I don't have time I want to I just haven't had time so she's helping me out and she has been working like a trooper all summer and she's just about done Alberta so we've got almost Alberta and then she's heading I believe to BC to work on the BC ones so that's the other thing that's in there that's really popular are these checklists for Canadian curriculum, like what, what's covered in a school system. And then there's things like videos and whatever else. It's all there. You can find it. It's easy to access, I hope, so people can find what they need while they're learning. Thank you. A lot of websites have these kind of um, vaults of, of resources that the subscribers can um, access, but and often you have to pay like a monthly fee to be able to access the materials. How does it work on your website? Uh, so most of it I've made just free access. So if you want to come to the website, you can take what you need. Some of the Canadian ones are put behind what I call a, it's called a membership. But basically all it is, is you, I ask for your email and then I can email you once a week. And that's all I do. It's free. And, you know, at some point I may just make it all absolutely free because I get tired of dealing with tech support issues because you know websites don't always cooperate as we plan to. But my, I just ask that if you'd like some of them, that maybe we can chat more in my email box. So that's it's free. It's always free. That's very generous of you, and and thank you for that. I I do think though that you have some mm -hmm. uh, good resources that people can buy, and I think they should pay for those as well. I'm excited about your timeline because I think it'll merge well with what I have going on. So, um, and also I'm intrigued by the Lego. I know we're going to talk more about this in another podcast, but let's just take a second and talk about the history with the Lego. Oh, I used to do, um, so many years ago there was a website, it was called Lego Quest and this lady did um, regular challenges for kids based on themes and the kids would submit pictures and then for a while I did the same thing we had Lego Quest 2 I asked her permission when she closed hers down I asked her permission to be able to continue it and we did it for about two and a half years and then at that point I the submission started slowing down so I, what I did is I put together an entire 250 challenges or something and you can print it all out it's in the library in the printables library you can print it out and uh and when you do is you just cut out the little squares and then you pull one out of a bag and you go, okay, here's your challenge. And it could be things like go to the beach with your minifigure. And so then your kid goes and builds a full design. We actually just did this in one of our junior camp 
the junior clubs that we're doing with our community. I just like, here's your challenge. And the kids would race for the next five minutes and build whatever. And then it's a great way for kids to have purpose with Lego, especially if they need something intentional to work on. So it's a fun way to do stuff. And if you, I think, I think, I think if you sign up for one of my letter, I know it's all a blur right now, but if you sign up for one of my email lists, they send the Canadian version of that. So all the prompts have something to do with Canada, like build a CN tower or make a maple leaf or something to that extent. That's fantastic. And some of the resources that are available now, I wish they had been available when I was, when I was homeschooling my kids when they were younger. I'm graduated now, so I'm old. And so those things weren't around, but what an opportunity, what an opportunity. You're experienced and wise. (laughs) Learn from mistakes and such. So at the end of we could probably talk forever about the learning center and what's in there. And, um, but I think we're going to go to the home stretch. Are you ready for the home stretch? Sure. Sure. And if you're just tuning in, the home stretch is a series of questions that we ask podcast guests at the end of each podcast episode. And they're the same questions for each one. And so you get a, a rapid fire chance to, learn some good advice and uh, hear about best and worst moments and that sort of thing. So Lisa Marie, what has been your worst homeschool moment? So the worst one stands out a lot because I have some challenging children. And at one point I remember my husband works in golf. So he he's home in the winter time and he was sitting in the way that our house was laid out at the time, the living room, that had an overlook from the dining room where we kept our computers. So he was sitting at the computer desk and I had the kids in the living room, you know, five kids and they were little. I had the little babies and stuff at that point. And it was mayhem, like pure, utter mayhem. I had my oldest was not even engaged anymore because it was too much chaos. My number two has attention deficit disorder. So he was literally bouncing off the walls, like running, bouncing off the walls while my number three was just sitting there oblivious to the world. He had no idea what was going on. And the babies and toddlers were jumping on me and screaming and whatever. And I remember this had been such a consistent thing. My husband looked down at me and goes, what the heck is going on? Like, what are you doing? And I just remember bawling, like completely and utterly bawling that everything I had plan and I home I was failing as a homeschooler and here I am trying to support and encourage other homeschoolers and I'm totally failing this homeschool thing and I just remember bawling and I gave up homeschooling for a while because I had to completely change everything about our homeschool in order to re to change it to work because it was such a mess at that point. I was trying to do group unit studies with a bunch of chaotic kids. And at that point, group stuff was not a plan. So that moment, I remember sobbing while my husband's going, what is going on? That was probably my worst homeschooling moment. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. And thank you for sharing that. I just always ask that question because I want us to be real and I want listeners to know that they're not alone. And, um, and probably with your husband asking that, it made you feel bad, even just because of his perspective on what was happening too, in addition to the upset that you already had over the actual homeschooling, I'm guessing. I think it was the fact that he could actually see that there was something terrible going on. Like the fact that he was saying, 
he could see it too. And I was like, okay, so it's not just me feeling like it. There's actually something wrong. I think that was kind of like the straw on the camel's back, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And did you, and did you, um, well, let's, let's talk about what, what's the major thing that you're doing differently now? Because you were trying to do unit studies and yes, they do sound very ideal. <laughs> they, they sound so ideal. You're not dividing up your them, family. But- <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, for group unit studies, you know, there can be challenges. So what is it that you learn to do differently than how you were doing things before? So I had to strip our homeschool down to the bare minimums, like complete minimums, because with some of my kids' challenges, we learned that transitioning from subject to subject to subject was constantly causing conflict and and anxiety. So we I took everything out. And for a long time, it was math and one subject of the day. And that was it. That was our school day. And it was like individual children. Now I only do, we do a little bit of group stuff, but I can't do any major studies group things because there's fighting and chaos. Even with teenagers, it's still the same. Uh, you know, kid dynamics don't seem to change even when they get older. But um, we, so we've, I've started doing a lot of one-on-one lessons in rotation with children instead of growing group stuff. And I've stripped our school down to bare minimum and then add in some extras as they've asked or as we can see that they can handle it a little bit more. And I gave my oldest independence. And so he's gone off and done his own like unschooly version of learning through high school. And uh, so it's, it's just that instead of taking what I thought homeschooling was supposed to be and what I wanted it to be and my idea of how I loved learning and wanted to do, I needed to do what my kids needed instead. And that has been a major like turn around. And honestly, I saw that one of the questions is what's your best moment in homeschooling. And the day that it worked was probably my best moment in because it was like, I did it. I did it. I made it through a day without kids screaming and crying and without me crying, without wanting to quit and throw kids into school. That was probably my best moment was when things actually worked. Thank you. And, and I'm so happy with you (laughs) about that. I think that we bring a lot of school into the home education Mm -hmm. and it's not the same kind of education at all. I know when I started, I was very traditional and was trying to do eight subjects in a day. And over time I learned that no, (laughs) that's not how it actually works in a home and home education is different than a school education. So yeah, it's a lesson I think we all kind of have to learn. And then there's always that gap between our ideals and our plans and then actual too. Yeah. 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 Yep, exactly. So this question might have already been answered, but I'll throw it out anyway. If you could go back and do things differently, what would you change in your homeschool? Maybe something other than trying to do things the way you're doing them and then. (laughs) So I was thinking about it and I think that some of the things I would have done earlier is when I was first homeschooling, I had started with that curriculum book and then I threw it away and I tried to make everything myself. And And I can do that. I can plan curriculum until the cows come home, but then it's the whole like implementation and trying to make your kids fit into the plan (laughs) that don't always work out. In retrospect, there were two options I wish I'd chosen. One, I wish I'd either completely gone unschooling and completely embraced that lifestyle at the beginning, 
or I wish that I had been able to afford and chose to buy a really well done curriculum that worked with my kids needs. So we didn't get that until after I decided to do it differently. And then I went looking for something that would fit what I needed for that child. And then that was a major change. And that is what I wish I had done earlier. I wish I'd picked something that fit the family better than me trying to make what I was doing fit her family. Sometimes you don't know what fits your family though. Like sometimes you have to use trial and error to figure out your... I don't think it's just sometimes. I think it's every time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I I use the word sometimes loosely. It takes a while to, it takes a while to learn their learning styles and how they process things and how long they can sit and how, if their hands on or not, Mm -hmm. it takes a while to learn that. So I don't think it's necessarily a fault to start with the quote unquote wrong curriculum for your kids. As long as you realize if it's not working, you give yourself permission to do something different. Change. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, for me, I would give more grace, I think, and not Mm. have such high expectations. Um, Yeah. For me, that would be a general way to say what I would do differently. Could you, oh, Mm. you talked about unschooling. And so let's just take one second, if you don't mind, for you to define what you mean when you say that, because... My generation here is unschooling and may think something entirely differently than what you would think of as unschooling. Right. So I think, I think the word unschooler is kind of a misnomer. I think that it should be named something else because it makes people think that it means don't do school at all. Like learning isn't included, you know, but unschooling is basically kids learning what they want. And they're, they're leading the educational experience and the parents are more of a facilitator to um, encourage them to learn through. So it might not be just that you let your kids watch TV all day, but the TV can be an amazing tool for education. So for example, I have a five-year-old who's obsessed with the Netflix show Number Blocks, like obsessed with Number Blocks, but she can do amazing math at the age of five because she can relate it to this television show. And it's something she loves and she's interested in. And then she goes and draws the characters and tries to give me really complex math questions because she's been doing these number blocks cartoon on TV. But unschooling is just allowing your kids to take what they want. Because you know, when kids are passionate about what they learn, when they're interested in what they're learning, they're actively engaged and they will remember everything, right? They may not remember me trying to ram down their throat the actual dates that Canada became a country, but if they found something passionate about Minecraft, I can absolutely guarantee they could rattle off the most useless of information from Minecraft. So it's that's the kind of idea. So we're not a full unschool family because I, I, I'm hesitant to, to jump 1,000% in. I love the philosophy behind unschooling, So we kind of call ourselves minimalist schooling. So we do like the couple of hours of school in the morning, but it's just bare like the main subjects. And then the kids can learn and do whatever they want through the day. So they play chess or they watch TV or they play video games or whatever my children are getting into today. I think they were drawing maps yesterday on giant pieces of paper, but it's just more about allowing them the opportunity to learn and be interested on their own. That's great. Thanks for clarifying that. And um, I think that, I think that it is so true that we learn best when we're interested. I know I do. I know I do. Yeah, me too. (laughs) 
This is a tough question for you because you're familiar with so many resources and you review resources <laughs> and you've tried lots of resources and you create resources. But what resource would you most recommend other than your own? It's kind of a trick question in view of what so we I, just talked yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I said that I was thinking this is a really hard question to answer because I find that this is so personalized to everyone's experiences. So people ask me, what's the best XYZ curriculum? And I'm like, well, wait, we need to back up and talk about your family and your goals and your methods and the blah, blah, blah. So I can, I can say what works for our family and what we found really helpful. And that's what I think I was going to do. So one is uh, teaching textbooks has been a fantastic resource for us. Math was a struggle. We did use jump math for a long time. And I loved jump math because it's Canadian and it uses, a, it's a workbook base and it really breaks down math very well. But after a while it became kind of repetitious because it's a very spiral method. So it becomes every year you repeat things like a couple of times and then you repeat the same topic with something a little bit more advanced in the next year and it got really repetitive so we shifted over to teaching textbooks after much humming and hawing and it's been like light night and day like math doesn't even a fight anymore like that was for us and so teaching textbooks is one and the other one I'd say is that we're using Oak Meadow with my older kids um, Oak Meadow is not a Canadian program and uh, I feel somewhat guilty sometimes when I don't promote a Canadian program, but it's been, it's been really great for my kids to have this program. And I love that it is structured enough that it keeps me online <laughs> because uh, I might have attention deficit issues of my own that I'm not sure yet, but I, at least mom induced ADHD, but uh, I want something me to too. tell me what to do every day and not every day. Yeah. <laughs> so I need something that kind of keeps me in line, but it, it's not done in a, on day one, do this on day two, do this. It's done on a weekly basis. So it's, this is what you study this week, fit it in your schedule, however it works for you. So for us, it's been really great because we can be fluid. I can do like, language on one day and science on another day and we don't have this complete structure that I really don't handle well <laughs> even if we need it <laughs> so for me it's been really good and it's very hands-on and it gives me a chance to snuggle up with my kids that don't really like to snuggle read together and we just read and enjoy and it's giving me an opportunity to learn so Oak Meadow has been a really good curriculum for us to be able to use as the kids have gotten into some of the older grades particularly <laughs> We found teaching textbooks later in our homeschool, but I really enjoyed that too, even though I still have to check up on mm -hmm. that they're doing it. I was listening to one of your video uh, videos yes. on YouTube the other day, and you were talking about independent learning, and uh, you had mentioned about if your kids are doing teaching textbooks, you need to make sure you're following up. And I'm super good with creating things and planning things mm -hmm. and not awesome at following up. I, I need like an assistant for that or something, I yes. think in, in <laughs> I all areas of business. I'm just more creative and <laughs> leading out front and then leaving a trail of small responsibilities behind me that <laughs> I'm onto the next thing sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have some kids with similar um, challenges too. So wonder where they got that from. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Okay. This is kind of a different question. What has homeschooling looked like for your family during the summer? So I kind of laughed because my family, it, we have been doing a lot of year-round schooling mostly because my husband actually works in the golf industry. So he's essentially gone from March to December 
and uh, specifically in the summer. So we do a lot of school during the summer. But it, I feel like we just keep it the same. The more I can keep things rolling, the less I have to deal with coming back and trying to force them into a routine. So we kind of just start in our family, we're so laissez-faire about education that, you know, as long as we learn sometime this week, you know. Um, but it means I can take breaks through the year instead of having it all clumped together in the summer. And then we often, if it's possible, as this year hasn't been, we usually visit my parents. They live a couple of hours away. So we go and I take all the kids or they take kids one at a time and rotate them through their to spend some time with grandma and grandpa, right? And so I take school along with us and we do some, you know, now that teaching textbooks is online, you can just log in and do math. Hey kids, you can't run away from math anymore. <laughs> you can't <laughs> but, uh, hide the workbooks. <laughs> nope. So uh, just, I try to keep something going and then we usually try to do some fun things on top of the things that you can get outside and do during the summer that you can't do in the winter. So that's kind of, I'm boring. We keep doing the same thing. <laughs> Well, if it's working, and if you have, in particular, certain children that thrive on routine, then it sounds wise yeah. to me. <laughs> what advice would you give someone just starting homeschooling? Um, so I think I have three words. One is relax. And I know that new homeschoolers probably hear that from experienced homeschoolers a lot, because I know when we first start, we have this idea of what it should be like and what it what what we need to do and there's all this pressure on ourselves and but and I know as a homeschooler the word relax probably drives you crazy because how do you relax when you've got all this pressure on you so I, I'll say it because it's kind of mandatory but relax take a breath it's going to be okay um, the other one is observe spend some time watching your kids because you can see how it's working so if you're paying attention to your kids you'll know whether or not what you're teaching is going in you can see where their areas of struggle are you can see where they're excelling and you can see how they learn and what they want to learn because that is a really key component to being successful with your homeschooling and the last one is trust trust yourself trust your kids trust your plans just trust it's going to work out okay because because if you don't have trust, trust me, it'll fail. <laughs> Sometimes we trust in everyone around us more than we trust our own ability to know our kids and to do what's best for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yep. or we trust experts or whatever. Yeah, other people. Mm -hmm. If you could leave listeners with a word of encouragement, what would you say? So my advice this year has been no fear because everyone's a lot of scared going on right now. Have no fear this year because no matter what decisions you make, no matter what curriculum you choose, no matter best intentions and plans, you have to, as I said, trust. You just have to believe that you're doing it and just go for it, right? It's not going to always be Pinterest worthy. It's not always going to be beautiful sunshine and roses. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have good days, but have no fear. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other and wake up tomorrow ready for a brand new day. Thank you. Well, I can't add to that. That was great. And I just want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Canada Homeschools. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada!